0: the Scaling Japan podcast. A podcast about how to grow your business from $100,000 beyond and beyond. In the land of the rising sun.
1: Welcome to the Scaling Japan podcast. I am your host Tyson Battino, and on today's show we have not one, but two guests on the show, and this is the first for the Scaling Japan podcast. We have Yuli and Erdink, both of them are the co-founders of Open4, which helps startups to build, validate and scale their business through strategic partnerships. They are also running the Founder Institute Japan Chapter, which is a Silicon Valley pre-seed accelerator for startups, which I am a mentor of as well. So if you want to work with me personally, I highly recommend you join the Founder Institute, and I can help you scale your startup with my expertise on recruitment, marketing, viral marketing, and operations optimization. This is not all about me. It's all about you. And in this episode, we'll talk about the differences between a startup incubator, accelerator, startup competitions and the various support and options for newer startups. So I'm so glad to have you, Yuli and Erding. And I'll let Erding introduce yourself first,
0: and then Yuli, please. Okay, Tyson, thank you so much for having us today. And my name is Erdink, and born and raised in Istanbul, Turkey. I'm from Turkey, and came to Japan three years ago. My first entrepreneurship experience when I was nine years old, me and my friend Bilal sold handmade toys in front of our elementary school. It was a San flit balloon squishy balls with funny faces. My very first uh, business partner. After <laughs> that, I attended university. Fast forward, I got double degree on public relationships and business and uh, while working full-time mostly. And after that, I got my master's in communications. After that, got a consulting job on a, a venture development for a local Turkish holding company. I uh, had a chance to uh, work with the uh, board team and influenced some decisions there. And I started to start up idea and quit the job, go to U.S. and fail and suffered. Uh, Met with Julie, become a couple, yeah. So, and become co-founders after that. Pivoted and restarted the startup, got some clients, visited Japan, returned to Turkey, work and travel internationally, and decided to spend time in Japan. And then COVID happens, stuck, and decided to settle down in Japan. And that's my story.
1: Cool. And Yuli, can you tell us more about yourself?
2: Okay. Thank you so much, Tyson, for inviting us to this podcast. My name is Yuli. I was born and raised in Myanmar. My background is software developer. I have master degree in computer technology. I started to learn the Japanese in 2010 after graduate by joining the Japanese IT company. I passed uh, the GAPD, Japanese proficiency business level within a year in Myanmar. Since then, I was promoted to work in India branch. I worked and lived in Mumbai, India for two years since 2011. I decided to come to Japan in 2030 by joining the other IT consulting company and I refreshed my career as business development. After five years working in Japan, I became the CEO of the United States branch. In 2017, I went to the United States and built the United States branch based in Silicon Valley. That's how I met with the adage. Eventually, we got married. After we married, we founded and started together called OpenForm Doku. Uh, because of COVID, we decided to leave in Japan. In the beginning of the, this year, 2022, Founder Institute opportunities came. Now we are running the Founder Institute chapter together.
1: Gotcha, so you've lived in four countries, wow. good. Can you tell us a little bit more about Open4?
0: Sure, so our startup, open4.co is actually also an early stage startup. It's just three years old. And open is in a partnership development platform and a marketplace. You can find companies who already open for collaborations to integrate their partner programs to your business so you can increase your revenues. Also, on the other hand, you can create your own partner programs to call out your audience, to make them your own partners and monetize it. It's a partner platform designed to make you even make more money. And we have also a training program, teach you how to connect and collaborate to build long-term partnerships to increase your earnings again.
1: We had two episodes just on partnerships and I think partnerships and joint ventures is a valid way of scaling your company. Let's start off with one of the most common questions out there. What the heck is the difference between a startup incubator and an accelerator?
2: The difference lies in their unique approach. Incubators op- operate on a flexible timeframe, and when a business has an idea or product to pitch to the investor or consumer. On the other side, accelerator acts like a bootcamp with a specific time frame, usually for three months to six months.
1: Gotcha. That makes sense. So the incubator helps you come up with a business idea or product to pitch. And the accelerators is, is you probably have a product or idea. And it's how do you get this to market faster?
2: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, incubator also sometimes charge a fee for this service or take an equity take in the startup as well, you know. The period of the incubation can last for a few months to the several years.
1: No, thank you for sharing that. I think one of my friends, he got office space for a year by one of the big telephone companies in Japan. They had an incubator program years ago.
0: So incubators are generally associated with the space, but uh, they provide a startup ecosystem and they are more than just a co-working spaces. So sometimes VCs also adopt an incubator model into their approaches, such as in Japan, incubate fund is a similar one. Also universities, governments, and larger enterprises also adopts and builds their own startup incubators as well. On the other side, accelerators are generally charges equity and fees. And if it is not sponsored by the government or corporation, uh, we will go more deeper about this accelerators in later session. But uh, we have to mention that the, the consensus for incubators and accelerators got blurry, especially after the pandemic. Providing a physical space is not a competitive advantage anymore, not the main one anymore. And anyone can apply, join an accelerator from everywhere in the world. And some important things to mention at this point are the relevancy and the integration of that accelerator regionally and globally is very important. And I can see from the
1: corporate point of view, uh, we had a guest who talked about corporate venture capital, but why would a large enterprise start an incubator? It's hard to develop new innovative ideas in-house. So mm-hmm. if they can get companies with the motivation to do it, you know, and they want to be connected to those organizations. So uh, that makes perfect sense. And also, I think you mentioned about startup competitions, but could you tell us a little bit more about that?
2: Most people confuse competitions programs with the accelerator programs. They generally collect the sponsor and provide the awards from the winner. They run regionally, uh, regional and global competitions. For example, Startup World Cup. You might already know that, or heard of that. Uh, their global price is, I believe, a uh, one million USD. Uh, they also did the competitions two months ago, I believe, in Japan as well. The local award was around like. 45,000 USD, in Japanese, maybe 5,000 uh, Gosen Mayen. I think the Hello Tomorrow World, it's also in this category too, I can say that.
1: KDDI had one, I think, one of the JRs. Not sure if it's East or West. And I know a lot of other corporations have uh, startup competitions. I think there's also Startup Weekend, which isn't a, it is not its a competition, but it's more for you don't have an idea you go there, they put you together with some people, you come up with an, uh, let's say a service idea and you make a pitch and the winner is happy <laughs> because I don't think you get any money from it. But for those who don't have a company, Startup Weekend, I believe, which we will link in the notes.
2: Startup weekends is also like kind of, it's a fun for us because uh, in Japan, we do work closely yet. But in the other global chapter, they work closely. But A lot yeah. of Startup Weekends, people who join there also apply to the Founder institute 2
1: program. So, yeah, if you're looking for startup competitions, probably in Japan, the easiest is probably looking for the corporate ones. But yeah. I know you also mentioned, I think, in our chat earlier about startup universities and courses. But you, could you tell me more about that?
0: They generally, I mean, startup in universities are... Of course, different model, which is uh, mostly academy focused. They generally don't take equity, but they charge fees for attending courses in in the university also. Uh, For example, IU University is one of the good examples here. It's a very new university, only about entrepreneurship. uh, It is like other universities. It takes four years to graduate and you need to pay admission fees without exchange and equity. And we think a university like IU is a good for startups ecosystem also. And students start to have a choice to become entrepreneur and incubate their ideas there. Later on, they can join another access program, including Founder Institute, and start up competitions as they get ready. And let's say if they decide to start their career by working somewhere, they can still can do that by this way. And because they got a full-fetched university major, and then if they want to start their company, they still can do later on.
1: I'm familiar with IU University. I think it's Joe Hug. And I think there's yeah. another guy named uh, maybe Kento Akiyama. I think I can't remember the name of it, but like Japan, GFA or something like that. But uh, we'll put it in the notes as well. And in Japan, there might be more now, but Keio University, I think the Shonan campus it has a really good startup program. So I've met a couple people from there and the students are really sharp. Yeah, let's dive into accelerator programs now.
2: Accelerator program is like a running a sprint. It's just first and intense. This aim is to accelerate the growth of the startup within a short span of the time through the training and learning. So how does it work? Firstly, a small number of the entrepreneurs are selected for the accelerator program. Then together as a group, This business learn and grow together a combination of mentoring, peer-to-peer learning and networking. It is an opportunity for them to test out their business model in a safe space so they can spot weakness and adjust things as they go along. By the end of the program, they will be more prepared for investment. Accelerators are well known for supporting the digital and tech startup, but it has changed already in any industry. And any different types of business can apply if they figure out how to scale. I think uh, the business model of the accelerator also has many varieties. uh, But the common one is charging equity or provide the investment or interest fee. Some charge equity and provide the investment. Some do all. Some don't do at all. If they are not charging equity, not providing the investment, not charging fees, they generally tend to be like getting sponsored by the government or the corporate.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Scaling Japan. In addition to serving as your fine host, I also provide advisory and coaching services to business owners who want to 2X, 5X, and even 10X their business. So stop holding your company and your team and your employees back, and let me help you and your company scale. Find more information at scalingyourcompany.com. Now back to the episode. Gotcha. So yeah, if they're not taking entrance fees or equity, they're probably sponsored by some government or corporation. And a lot of them I know, they either charge, take equity, charge an entrance fee or both like from my end it's more from the mentorship end i know some accelerators it's on a voluntary basis uh, i know mm-hmm. some other accelerators it's on a let's say they give you equity yeah. And myself as a mentor, like I have been approached by ones that don't offer equity. It's, and it sounds like fun to help. But I think like these days I have so many people asking for my advisory services now that's kind of had to be selective and go with the ones that provide equity. But I did think about it at the end of the day. And I think as a founder who receives equity in the companies, it kind of incentivizes me more to actually like, you know, we have our sessions and actually do research for the company and make introductions to the companies so I know sometimes people are like you know why are you taking equity but I think as a mentor it really motivates me to ensure that those companies succeed exactly
2: it is really good point Tyson because there's no free lunch right (laughs) anywhere so somehow we need to motivate that people who works for the startup so I think uh, Giving up the equity, like for the mentor, is not a bad thing.
0: Yeah. Like,
2: and, I mean, it's me. May, maybe it's a better thing because it makes a more seriously support getting support from the mentors.
0: Right. It's a viable business uh, model that can you can build up a long term relationship with the mentors as well. Yeah. So as FI, we also uh, incentivize our mentors with the equity. That was one of the big appeals for me.
1: I have a waiting list of customers for Advisor at the moment. So I I needed that incentive. Otherwise, because I can kind of see that people will sign up to be a mentor, but maybe they just want to get their name on the list. But if they're not getting anything in return, like, are they actually going to mentor you? Right. That's something to be careful about if you're choosing an accelerator and just looking at the list, but uh, yeah. Could you actually tell us more about like what stage an accelerator supports?
0: So, before answering this question, I think we would like to explain a little bit about the funding stages because most people get confused about the funding stages. So, we can break it down into the founder stages as pre seed, seed, series A, series B, and beyond. Pre seed startup means it's an idea stage company. It might not be a company yet, by the way. Uh, seed means it's generally there is an MVP product or some validation. In this stage, startup can start to look for some angel investment and other investment options and a crowdfunding, et cetera. And Series E means the startup has er- some early tractions, And VCs, generally the professional VCs, generally start to fund from this stage, generally. So we also call from pre-C to Series A as early stage startup. And from Series B and beyond, we call growth stage startup. So most global accelerator programs are focusing on the seed, but some accelerators like Foundry Institute focus on pre-seed, but not so many. So that's why FI is a little bit different. I like to highlight a little bit about the differences between the seed and pre-seed startup accelerators. Most accelerators like Techstars, Y Combinator, 500 Global are actually seed accelerators. They typically take a startup uh, with a team, live product, some traction and provide them with the operating capital and a small seed investment sometimes, and to help them to prepare for an angel or VC-run funding after that. And on the other side, the pre seed startup accelerator like Founder Institute works with entrepreneurs before these validations, way before these validations, and provide them with a structural development process, mentorship and a global network to get some traction, partnerships and funding at the end. And we even accept people who has just an idea So I think this is what makes us very unique. We also have uh, growth track programs as well and post-grad programs. We also have for growing companies. Techstars,
1: Y Combinator, 500 Global, Founder Institute are famous around the world. And in Japan, you also have access to 500 Global. And yeah, so for the listeners who are interested, uh, we actually have a podcast episode on pre-seed and seed investments with Haruka and also about from series A to B with Jordan from Zahitomo. Tomo. And we've mm. covered pretty much every stage of funding from, and we also covered angel investment, bank loans. So check out the investment section if you're curious about the investment types in Japan. So I guess my next question would be like, uh, what type of founder or businesses can really benefit from an, an accelerator?
2: I can see that especially early stage founders. As an early stage founder in Accelerator, you will get the plenty of the benefits like comprehensive support to your idea. Uh, By joining Accelerator, you will get the support from the mentors, even from the fellow founders in the program. They can provide you the direction, knowledge, and experience. Access to the investors. A second one is, even if you join Accelerator, uh, you will not automatically get an investor for your business. However, by joining the one, they will connect you to the interested investor. This will increase your chance of getting the funding.
1: I think that's one thing for people to make sure when they look into an accelerator is some do provide investment. Many accelerators in Japan don't provide investment, I believe, but I think they'll help you find interested investors. But that's definitely something don't assume that all of them provide investment.
2: That's a good one. That's right.
0: Yeah. Some provide, some don't. Yeah.
2: But, but they generally uh, provide access to the investor because they do yeah. have an overall ecosystem to connect mm-hmm. those.
1: Yes, I'm not sure if it's the case, but I've heard there's not so many who provide uh, investment in Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also 500 Global, they do provide it for the American one, but not the Japanese one. So that's something to watch yeah. out for.
0: I think in the coming sessions, we will be also mention that what is the business model in Japan is common and the global we can also compare. We up.
2: also like to a little bit also express in a little bit later session.
0: Cool, thanks for sharing that. Please
1: continue. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, I think the full one is uh, I think a risk management. Accelerator can have the early founders to identify the risks of their business and how to minimize this. A good accelerator will even help you with the directions of how to manage it properly. Another one is a bigger picture. Sometimes as a founder, we cannot properly look into the planning ahead and what direction the next six months or a year will be. This is why an accelerator, they have the support from the mentors to look beyond your current state and have you with the right tactic to start planning the bigger picture of your business. Last one, continuing support post-program is also so important. A good accelerator. We have a program or community to support the founders after the end of their program. So they're supposed to your business will not end after the program and as well. So this is a very, one of the very important facts.
1: I think the community aspect is really important. And I think one unique thing about an accelerator, it's kind of like going to university, but on hyperdrive where like, you know, if you go to university, like you have friends for life. And, you know, they're the same age as you, you're at the same stage, same problems, same challenges. So when you go to an accelerator, you can meet people in the similar stage and can connect much easier. Cause sometimes it's harder to connect with entrepreneurs who are earlier than you or those who are much further ahead. So sometimes it's hard to ask questions, but if you're at the same stage, I feel like a lot of those walls and barriers disappear and you can really support each other.
2: That's totally agree.
0: Great, Great point, definitely.
1: Based on kind of your experience, I know you both have been very involved in the startup space, but what industries are
0: in demand? You mean in Japan, right? Uh, Yes. As far as we encounter, we encounter hundreds of companies, you know, healthcare, the, the B2B products, you know, enterprise products and finance and insurance and robotics, manufacturing, agriculture and food and deep tech, which is the positive sciences, you know, uh, Japanese universities are really good at it. So they're trying to commercialize this kind of uh, technologies and uh, inventions, uh, scientific projects. So those are the, the most top demand uh, that we see current years. I know the national government's putting a lot of money into
1: a financial technology. And I mm-hmm. think maybe biotech or I think some somewhat white fun i forgot what they covered but i think it was in our episode with miho tanaka where she was talking mm-hmm. about uh, government money but yeah mm-hmm. the government is putting a lot of free money out there for certain industries that they want to boost up
0: exactly the government is supporting a lot of startups nowadays to be honest we are we are lucky nowadays <laughs> it came the right time
1: could you tell some other industries that are kind of in demand as well
0: uh, there's a very similar the global ones after that. So these are the top ones. Uh, according to, of course, our personal experiences, not from according to the data, these are the ones that who we encounter is mostly for the earliest, earlier stages. So, but we, what we also encounter is like logistics and supply chain and mobility related startups, energy and materials and resources, related things. And, E commerce still, still, and then coming up, and IT and security, ad tech, entertainment tech, space, chemistry, uh, chemicals, and materials. Uh, But in terms of tech verticals, and you know, it's also very, very diverse. So it's really hard to choose one on the top. In order to create a scalable startup, you might not need a very high tech, anyways, especially in the beginning. Some of the technology that we encounter is like. Basically AI, everything has AI in it and blockchain and the drones, uh, aviation, AR, VR and cloud solutions, SaaS, uh, business models also coming up. And green technology, biotech, 3D printing, telecom, uh, robotics and IoT, nanotechnology, this kind of tech verticals we're also seeing.
1: So they're all very complicated and there's a lot of them, but there is a lot, a lot of money out there for these industries. Yeah, so going back to accelerators. So I guess an accelerator, a startup goes through an accelerator. They have a product or service ready. They can attend courses. Uh, they can attend lectures done by the mentors. So They can have one-on-one access to mentors. They have access to the community. Yeah, just to give the listeners an idea if they're considering an accelerator, could you just tell us more about the mentors that are participating?
0: Sure. The most preferred mentor profile is the experienced entrepreneurs like you, who are uh, willing to give back their community to their know-how and their industry or their region. But generally speaking, experienced entrepreneurs are very valuable assets. Based on on accelerator programs, mentors' uh, quality can be very, very different. So as Founder Institute, our ideal mentors are the experienced mentors or uh, someone already have some hands-on experience on supporting startups, like enablers. We also choose some small percentages from academia and government-related organizations and professions from corporate and executives and startup activists who has a lot of fun um, already have supports and networks as well. Yeah,
1: I can see the benefits of that. Let's say the experienced entrepreneurs can provide guidance and operational experience. You know, if you have someone in the corporate, they can help you with how do you make partnerships with corporations? Exactly. And they tend to have big networks as well. So yeah, that makes sense to have a wide range of mentors that people can choose from. So I think majority of our listeners are English speakers. We do have some Japanese listeners, but uh, mainly in the foreign population. But what accelerators do foreign founders normally go through in Japan?
2: As far as we hear from our network, they do the programs for like a different style, like Japanese foreigner group in the past. We make a recently research, you know, for this pocket. According to their information, a lot of startups started to behave in English, such as like a 500 startup a 500 program. I think, I believe it is run by the English and most forest founders also say that it's so easy to integrate it, like, because all are in English. Out of the, that one, other programs, even though like a friendly foreigner, is some sort of hard to grasp if you don't have a Japanese. Recently, I think uh, we also saw that Jetro is also doing the very big projects together with uh, other global startup like uh, Plug and Play, Tester, Barclays, Skydeb, Alchemist, like three months accelerator program and 10 days trip for the demo day in the Silicon Valley. Cool. It's all free, you know. Participating fee, equity fee, they also don't provide the investment either. So, yeah, those programs are like, look like all run by the English.
1: Yeah, I know Plug and Play Founder Institute, I think 500 Global. Mm-hmm. Uh, used to be 500 startups, and I think they might have start Startup Boot Camp Osaka or something. Kobe, I forgot the name. But oh, cool, that's interesting. That Jetro's uh, doing it. Yeah, if they're not charging equity and because they're sponsoring it, it, might be pretty challenging, but kind of curious to see how that goes.
0: Yeah, it's just different type of business models, I can say.
1: Actually, one thing I want to ask, mention about the mentors, because I did check uh, 500 Global, Founder Institute, and I noticed that there is a mixture of, I think, 50, 50 foreign and Japanese. So I thought there's a solid mixture there. Mm-hmm. So Even though it's in English, uh, you do have... Access to Japanese people for the Japan market.
2: Most founders can speak English because we all run sessions, events, everything mostly in English. Uh, however, eighty percent or even the foreigner or Japanese, like they can speak for sure Japanese. I think twenty uh, percent are based in Singapore,ly
0: roughly, roughly,
2: uh, and uh. we are aiming to invite the more mentors from the out of the Japan as well. For this year, we are aiming to the 20 countries.
0: Yeah, we all already started from Singapore and some other countries. As yeah. Well. But most people, not everybody, can speak Japanese. So if people who uh, don't trust their English language capabilities uh, also can still apply. Program is mainly run by English, but we can also provide uh, Japanese support.
1: Have you ever found yourself having trouble creating a business plan? Do you pretty much operate on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis, creating confusion and chaos in your organization? If that sounds like you, I recommend you join my Entrepreneur Bootcamp. In my bootcamp, you will set an achievable but challenging revenue target for the current or following fiscal year, and we will create a business plan to make it a reality. See more in the show notes below. And now back to our episode for people who are seriously considering an accelerator, but what are the differences between accelerators in Japan versus ones in other countries?
0: Oh, great question. So most programs in Japan run equity-free and some sponsored by government or corporations. might be controversial a little bit. It might affect Japanese startups' competitiveness, to be honest. As you know, uh, Japan's startup system is not mature enough in comparison to other developed countries. So most local accelerators programs support might not be mature enough in global standards and most might not be foreign friendly either. And that's why bringing global accelerator program to Japan is one of the top most priority agenda for the government as well. So most of the accelerators, including global accelerators run by government or corporate. Some don't charge any fees or equities. Uh, such as 500 uh, startups, the global program, core program, charge equity six percent with uh, 150,000 US dollars investment. Once you get accepted to the program, and they charge some sort of course fee uh, around 37,000 dollars roughly from the graduates. So, but the 500 in in Japan, which is 500 Kobe and 500 Aichi. Uh, don't charge equity or fees, and they don't uh, do investment either because they are running program with the government sponsor. And they also run shorter and less intensive in comparison to their global programs. So also the startup bootcamp is also the same. So as FI, as Foundry Institute, uh, global programs and Japan programs' business model are the same. So we haven't received any major sponsor for running a specific program for them yet in Japan. We also run specific programs for even universities and corporations globally also. And we even have a space program with NASA in Africa, for example. The foundation has more than 20 chapters. And most of the programs are sponsored by the government and the corporations because most people just simply cannot afford it, the fees. And because our business model is quite different. And this entry fees cover model called Startup Fellowship, which we didn't receive any corporate or government support yet uh, here in in Japan. I know right
1: now there's kind of a lot of competition between the Japanese cities to attract startups. I know Kobe, uh, Fukuoka City, which we've had on the podcast, Sapporo, obviously Tokyo, I think Aichi, they're all putting money into it because they want to start attracting these high-paying jobs and innovative companies to their uh, respective cities. So, you've mentioned several of the accelerators, but what are some famous Japanese ones?
2: Most Weno accelerators in Japan are international as a global accelerator. I can say that. For example, 500 Kobe, 500 Aichi, Plank and Play, Startup Book and Ski, Osaka. Kobe Startup Hub is also quite Weno in the Startup War, even though it might not be a fully uh, A uh, category, category uh, in the accelerator program. Um, nowadays, uh, we also heard Intel uh, too. I can say that Founder Institute also started to get known in Japan uh, as well. I, since uh, added to Me started the program in May this year, all thanks to our mentors and partners, uh, including you and uh, this Scally the Japan podcast as well. Uh, the accelerator that I mentioned in the above are the accelerators, which has a base in Japan. Uh, JETRO is also starting to bring in uh, not Japan-based accelerator as well, like Techstars, Berkeley, Skydeck, or Alchemist.
1: Gotcha, yeah, top names uh, in the accelerator, accelerator world. And how about some local programs?
2: Yeah, uh, look at accelerator program also exists as well. Um, the names we didn't hear, like uh, I just a little bit like Google, you know, uh, names are coming up like a uh, five hundred fifty uh, M AI accelerator block, Tokyo Brave or uh, Co Republic Found Ace, uh, Open Net Lag, Reality Accelerator Samurai AQA, chat Tech Tempe Tokyo. Uh, Tohoku Grow Accelerator, et cetera. But it seems like uh, most are run by the local uh, VC.
1: Gotcha, thanks for sharing that. And uh, how about corporate accelerators? Uh,
0: let's start with the definition of the corporate accelerators. So it's a program run by a larger enterprises that offers a fixed term uh, cohort based program that includes mentorship, connections, sales and sometimes seed capital or some sort of reward at the end. And the programs usually ends in a formal pitch event or a demo day where the startup pitch, the startups pitch these corporate sponsors or for further investment or partnerships. So corporate and regular accelerator concept are almost the same, but the corporates choose the startups based on their current target industry and interest. So the good side is they, uh, they can become their customer. And they can become also their uh, strategic partner. So you can get also some investment, strategic investment as well.
1: Cool. Thanks for sharing about that. And yes, yeah, so there's a lot of accelerators out there, but how would you recommend the listeners, if they are interested, how would they base their decision on choosing an accelerator?
2: I think uh, we would like to share the global accelerator Comparisons to me- make you understand overall accelerator business model in global standards. With this way, you will have better features that how to choose is the right one. First, I'd like to go with the SIG accelerator. Uh, y Combinator Church equity 7% for the 500,000 USD investment. Up to. Uh, up mm-hmm. to. And 500 Startup Church 6% equity for 150,000 USD investment. They also join EB for the grade from the graduate around roughly thirty-seven thousand USD. Texter Church six percent equity for the one hundred fifty k USD investment. Startup Book gap also charged six to eight percent equity for the twenty k investment. Alchemist Church five percent and twenty-five thousand investment. They also charged tuition fees too. I'm not sure that, or uh, Berkeley Sky Church the seven percent equity. For the two hundred thousands investment. They also charge the five thousands USD for the joining fee. Plug and play, lastly, does not charge uh, fees or equity. They do not promise the investment as well. After graduate, if they like it, they might invest it. They're a little bit different models, they do have it because most are run by the corporate sponsor, like corporate connection, something like that. In order to get into those, the seed startup accelerator, it's really hard based on their accelerator grace. One company that such as one company accepts is almost closest to the zero. It's also say that like harder than to get into the Harvard University.
0: Uh, roughly <laughs> roughly yeah, a yeah. So you know, maybe on the other hand, the foundry institute is a pre startup. We accept more people and we graduate less than this. That's our difference.
2: Yeah, we accept the startup as long as that they do have a scalable idea and pass a different DNA test. So we charge there. We are pre okay? Not seed accelerator. So 2.5 equity and interest fee around $800, but we don't provide the investment. Again, we are pre-seed very early. It means a lot of work.
1: Those are some good details on, uh, I guess, the stages, how much is the entrance fee, how much equity you have to give of your company on investment and the potential investment amount and length of the program. So I think some other things the listeners could probably be on the lookout for is you should check out the mentors who are available. And for example, if you're doing like a SaaS product per se, maybe joining a program who have uh, really top quality product managers who can really help doing your customer research, improving the product, really finding that solid product market fit in Japan is they don't have a lot of program managers. And uh, also I think a weakness I've seen is maybe looking for one with growth hackers as well.
0: Interesting. Yeah.
1: Great point. Um, from my point of view. All the programs, they've made a very good effort to find, you know, there's some venture capitalists who are mentors who can help you at the financing, people in the corporations who can help you with partnerships, negotiation, partner with corporations, you know, how to structure things. Uh, Mm -hmm. Also from the government where like uh, they can put you in touch with other countries. They can kind of maybe give like a test pilot. You could help the government in some small area and maybe that might lead to more things. And also there's people who've created their own company, both foreign and Japanese. In Japan's case, I'll probably look more into the, if there's like mentors you want to work with and maybe even reaching out to them in advance and like confirming like, are you actually helping this accelerator or you just want your name on the cover? Do you want your name on the book?
0: Great point. We are very careful and very serious about uh, mentorships. We have very serious terms to choosing mentors and collaborating with them maybe I, I can also mention here at this point because you know most of the startups including me confuse a lot with the a lot of choice we have a decision fatigue uh, not just in in japan globally actually it's a very really good thing to have a lot of choice to join startups and uh, other uh, startup support programs as well so i also would like a little bit mention that how to choose a uh, great uh, accelerators especially in japan I think the best thing is to consider is your stage. What is your I mean, idea currently? They need to be a little bit honest with they, themselves That So hopefully this kind of kind of institute is existing in Japan also. So even with an idea that they can join. Knowing the industry and then also wanting to consider to join and choose a program is very important. Time commitment. Some of them requires full-time commitment. Us, for example, we don't because we wanted to give a option that even people who works for a full-time job can be able to try their business idea and if it works, they can scale, they can quit their job. They should be also looking at investment terms, how much equity they are charging, how much they are giving and things like that and interest fees. Is there an interest fee or not? Or in Japan, also people need to check the communication language, which is English or Japanese. Or if it's for foreigners, if it is foreigner-friendly or not, you can easily understand by looking at their public preferences, like public appearances. And then how strong is their network locally and globally as well? This is also one of the most, most important factors there, which we are also very confident about it. So, and then do they have any postgraduate programs or not? So those are some important factors to choose a good accelerator program for their company.
1: Excellent. Yeah. Thanks for mentioning about the time investment as well. I've known friends who've gone through a founder institute, also a 500 global and plug and play. And I've heard only good things from there. Uh, I'm not sure how the corporate ones are nowadays, but I had multiple Japanese friends go through the corporate ones, like, you know, like probably five or six years ago. They weren't too satisfied with it. So I think uh, making sure to do your due diligence is the most important thing. Yeah, thank you both very much. Actually, I want to ask you both for Founder Institute, could you tell us more about, let's say, the due dates
0: for the next batch? So the final deadline will be October 2nd to apply. Mm -hmm. Cool, gotcha. Already in uh, two weeks.
1: So yeah, thank you very much for taking the time uh, d- doing a lot of research and telling us about the startup support ecosystem in Japan. We'll link to the both of you in the show notes to your LinkedIn profile, but we'll also link to uh, Founder Institute and Plug and Play and 500 as well.
0: We want to make the pie bigger in, here in Japan. We closely collaborate with the other accelerators, corporate accelerators, the government, everybody. So we are actually friends. So there is no competition in this field because we need to create more startups here in, here in Japan. That's the highest priority. Such a developed country, such a developed you know, economy, beautiful culture, everything is very good. But just we are lack of a new startup creation here in Japan. So I believe this is the common mission and we need collaboration. We need to make the pie bigger here in Japan. So we are looking for partnerships. And collaborations and any type of support to create more startups in Japan. Uh,
1: thanks for sharing that. I did remember one more thing for the mentors. I did say there's a lack of growth hackers, but I think one strong point that I did see there's a lot of great people for business partnerships. Thank you so much for appearing on the podcast.
0: Thank you so much Thank for you having so
1: us.
2: Much heavy ass Daisan.